a woman, an older woman who had come into financial difficulty, but she was a very faithful, faithful, faithful believer, and she loved Jesus with all her heart, and so she wasn't worried about her circumstances. Instead, she turned her worry into prayer, and every single day she'd go out into her front garden, and she would earnestly pray out loud that God would bring her everything she needed. She even went as far as to be audacious in her prayer to list the exact items in her grocery cupboard that she was missing. And she did this day in and day out, and it began to really irritate her neighbor, who was a non-believer. And he grew more and more indignant and annoyed the, more, the, the louder and louder she prayed each day. And so one day he decided that he would play a trick on her. He would play a terrible, terrible trick on her. And so he went to the grocery store now knowing the exact item she needed, and she bought him everything she needed, and he dropped it off at her door without her seeing and wrote a little note that said, God doesn't exist, this one's from the devil. And so she woke up the next morning, opened the door, and saw this package and began to praise God all the more loudly. And he was even more annoyed. And he said from his next door garden, excuse me, ma'am, don't you see who that gift is from? And she says, yeah, and I celebrate even more. Because God is so faithful that when he speaks, even the devil has to obey. (laughs) Today, as Zick spoke earlier, we begin our brand new sermon series where we are talking about what it really means to follow Jesus. And I think most appropriately, we're beginning the series by looking at the theme of obedience. Because you can't follow unless you learn to obey humbly his instruction. And as we look through scripture, and I'm sure that old lady would agree, obedience is so important. Obedience is so, so important. All throughout scripture, we're reminded of this. In fact, it's literally the benchmark that Jesus uses to describe our love for him. In John 14, he says, this is how I will know that you love me if you obey my teaching. James puts it like this. He says, faith without deeds, faith, even if it's, if it's not accompanied with action, is dead. In the book of Romans, Paul says it this way. He says that it's not the hearers of the word who are justified, but the doers of the word. It's not the hearers of the word who are justified, but the doers of the word. For God, it's not about how loud we can sing on a Sunday morning when everyone's watching. It's not about how loud we raise our voice on a Sunday. It's about how obediently we follow his voice when no one's looking. Obedience is so, so, so important. And as we gather around what's probably a challenging subject this morning, I hope that we can be real by saying that obedience isn't always that easy, is it? It's not always that easy. It's easy to speak about. But the very essence of obedience is that we would transform our knowledge into action, and it's not always easy. And we see this beautifully in the story of Jesus as he encounters a rich young man in the scriptures. And so I'm going to be turning to Mark chapter 10 from verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not 
give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone, to, someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter spoke up. We left everything to follow you, he said. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. I'm so grateful for God's word this morning. This rich young man had done everything right according to the law. He had fulfilled his duty. He had checked all the boxes. But Jesus still said, before you can follow me, there's one thing you lack. And he gave this very challenging instruction and the rich young man could not obey him. He could, he could not obey him. And I wish I could stand here righteously all these years later with the gift of hindsight and say that if that had been me standing before Jesus, I would have done exactly what Jesus asked me to do. But if I'm being very real with you, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Jesus asked a very hard thing. Jesus asked a very hard thing. Obedience is not always easy. It's not easy to surrender our will and our way and our timing. It would be easier if Jesus thought like I thought. <laughs> it would be easier if Jesus had the same level of patience as I have. It would be easier if he loved what I loved and disliked who I disliked. Obedience would be very easy if Jesus was exactly like me. <laughs> but he isn't, is he? A.W. Tauser said, it's a strange paradox that God created us in his image, and yet every single day we try to recreate him in our own image. And the problem with that is that we have a God who can never contradict us. <laughs> we are left with this God who we are comfortable with, but that's a God who can't surprise us, who can't transcend us, and who can't contradict us. And if we have a God who can't contradict us, then we're left with a God who can't change us because contradiction is a catalyst for change. And so as hard and as challenging as obedience is, it is so necessary. I need God to tell me to go to the left when all I really want to do is go to the right. I need God to remind me to pray for those who persecute me instead of headbutt them. I need God to tell me to give generously, to live selflessly, to pursue him relentlessly. 
I need God to remind me to get out onto that water even when the boat feels really, really comfortable sometimes. Because as challenging as obedience is, it's so necessary. The scriptures are very clear. There's a cost when we walk outside of obedience with God. God, three, God speaks to the prophet Isaiah. He says these words. He says, if only, if only you had followed my commandments, then your well-being would be like a river. If only. So like God is saying, if you had just followed my ways, if you had just listened when I'd spoken, you would not be in this wilderness right now. If only. God, God is desperate for us to obey him because he desperately desires the very best for us. He desperately desires the very best for us. Did you notice in our reading that before Jesus gave the instruction, scripture says this, Jesus looked at him and loved him. God's instructions only ever come from a place of love like a loving father who wants the very best for his children, like a good shepherd who desperately desires to lead his sheep to the very best pastures and the stillest waters. God instructs us for our benefit. It says in the Psalms that God wants to lead us down the best pathway of our lives. And that very verse insinuates that there are other paths we could take, paths that perhaps don't lead to the very best places. In 2019, we had a crib service here at Northfield, as we always do on Christmas Eve. And at this particular one, we decided that we would make a cake on stage um, as part of an illustration to the children. But we purposefully left out a very vital ingredient to cake, the sugar. <laughs> Can you imagine chocolate cake without sugar? It's like a really bitter rusk. <laughs> And so we made it on stage, and when it was done cooking, we invited the children forward to come and taste. And they enthusiastically lined up, and one after one, we heard terrible reviews. <laughs> These kids were shouting words like, yuck, gross. One little girl shouted from the back of the sanctuary, disgusting. <laughs> and I must say, I'm quite grateful that you do not respond to our preaching the same way as those children responded to that cake. <laughs> Just imagine, randomly, disgusting. <laughs> what I found so surprising about them, though, is that even with all the warning signs of their peers who had gone before them, it didn't put them off. They were still lining up so they could taste the cake themselves. <laughs> and they were relentless in their pursuit. It was mayhem. There were just kids coming from everywhere to taste this cake. There was one little boy right at the back of the line and he started to actually physically cry when he put two and two together to think there's probably not gonna be enough cake for me because I'm right at the back. And so I kindly went to him, kneeled down and said, listen here, bud, <laughs> trust me, you don't want that cake. That cake's disgusting. I know you think you want it, but really you'll be far better off without it. And can I tell you something? At the end of the service, we're giving you guys real good cake. And he just looked at me indignantly and carried on standing in line. <laughs> he then ate the piece of cake and even had the audacity to look at me with disgust as if to say, why didn't you try hard enough to warn me? And sometimes I feel, isn't that just such a beautiful image of humanity? 
Our God is like a kind, loving father who, who, who kneels beside us and says, listen here, my child. I know you think you want that. But, but I wrote the story. <laughs> and I know all the possible endings to all the possible paths. And the one that you are just about to get on is not going to end very well. And yet somehow we managed to miss the warning signs. And there's a cost to our disobedience. For that little boy, it was a very bad taste in his mouth. <laughs> For the rich young man, Scripture says that he walked away saddened. But the word uh, in Greek is much more than just being emotionally sad. It means he walked away in grief. He walked away in pain and in heaviness. And when we choose to walk outside of obedience with God, there's this heaviness that we have to carry. There's a cost. There's always a cost. But here's the good news. When we choose to walk in obedience, there's an incredible reward. Jesus says so himself. Just look at his response to, to Peter. Peter, at the end of the story, starts bragging to Jesus. He says, Lord, when, when you called us, we followed you immediately. We obeyed your instruction to the T in an instant. You said, put down your nets, and we put them down. You spoke, and we answered. And Jesus' response to Peter is, yes, and you will be rewarded. There is a reward, because obedience is actually a gift. It's a gift. When I was first discovering Christ, I always thought that obedience was like a negative thing. <laughs> I'm not so sure if when Zooks mentioned that we're speaking about obedience today, how many of us can honestly say that inside our hearts we're like, oh. <laughs> it's a difficult thing to talk about. And it, it comes with these connotations that almost felt restricting to me, as if following the ways of God and following his commands and following his voice would lead us to live a small isolated life that is full of sacrifice and void of joy. That's what I used to think when I was in youth. But as I've come to walk with Jesus, I've realized I couldn't have been more wrong. Following his voice, obeying his instruction is the only way to live this big, expansive, joy-filled, beautiful existence that he intended for us to live. Obedience is a gift. Jesus says to the rich young man in the story, if you let go of your wealth, if you obey me and let go of that, you will gain real treasure. It's as if you were saying, I only ever ask you to put something down so that you can pick up something better. Obedience is such a gift. And the Bible is filled filled with examples of the benefit, the gift of obedience. And I've just found three. And here's the first one. When we choose to obey God, when we walk how he asks us to walk, where he asks us to walk, and when he asks us to walk, we will walk right into the abundant life he desires for us. We will walk into our very best life. In Deuteronomy, we read that if you obey the Lord, blessings will come upon you. And get this and overtake you. <laughs> I'm wondering how many people would, could do with that happening in their lives this week, be overtaken by blessings. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it this week. <laughs> we read in Leviticus, it says, if, if you just 
walked in my statutes, if you kept my commands, you will reap much fruitfulness. Wonderful things tend to happen when we obey the voice of the God who loves us more than we even love ourselves, who knows us better than we even know ourselves, and who actually desires greater things for our future than we can even hope for or imagine for ourselves. And as we walk with every step, with every obedient step we take, we take one step closer to accessing this life Jesus destined for us to access this rich and full and satisfying life. All we are doing when we disobey, whether actively disobeying or passively disobeying, all we are doing is we are delaying, attaining the life Jesus desired us to live. Just look at the Israelites in the desert. God set them free from slavery and he instructed them to enter their promised land. And after 11 days, they reached the edge. But because they saw obstacles and difficulties, they took matters into their own hands. And in an avoidance of difficulty, to avoid challenges, they decided to rather not enter. (laughs) In the pursuit of comfort, They wandered that wilderness for 40 more years. In the pursuit of comfort, they wandered the wilderness for 40 more years instead of living in God's inheritance for them. And God says, if only, if you had just listened to me. I wonder how many of us can admit to doing the same. In in the pursuit of comfort, we wander a wilderness. We often like to choose the path of the least resistance without realizing it also often happens to be the path of the least reward. To live in our very best life, we have to choose to obey his instruction step by step, even when his instruction is hard, as it was for that rich young man. The second thing is this, the second gift of obedience. If we obey his word, we will find that we are able to endure through difficulty Does anyone here know anyone who is able to endure the greatest storm through their obedience? Because I know a guy. That was funnier than your laughter. (laughs) But seriously, look at it. Noah was even ridiculed for his obedience. It didn't seem to make sense at the time. But he chose not to listen to the crowd, and he followed instead the voice of God. And because of his obedience, him and his family were able to endure the greatest storm this world has ever seen. And we learn two things. First is this, our obedience leaks. (laughs) When we live life of obedience to God, it benefits our family and our loved ones. And the second is this, when we obey, we are given capacity to endure. It's almost as if the more and more we obey, the more capacity God builds within us to endure difficulty. Jesus told us himself in a parable. He says, anyone who listens to my word and actually obeys what it says is like a house that is built on solid rock. That though the storms come, 
and though the wind blows against it, it will stand firm because of its foundation. Then he says, anyone who builds a house and puts it on sand is like someone who is foolish, who listens to my words but never fully obeys them. And when the winds come and the rains fall, the house collapses. Obeying the voice of the Lord does not mean we won't face difficulty. It just means that we will not be undone by it. His word is like a lamp to our path. So even though we have to walk through darkness, we can safely see where to put our feet as he guides us so that we're not overcome by darkness. We may be hard pressed on every side, but we will never be crushed. We may be perplexed, but we'll never be in despair. We may be struck down, but we'll never be destroyed because we're standing on a solid foundation. Obedience gives us endurance. And lastly, obedience helps us experience the present tense realities of the kingdom of God. Jesus says so in Matthew, he says, those who actually do the will of my Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. He, he is saying to us that you can in your day experience the very realities of heaven while you are on earth. And the key is simple, just obey what I say. Just convert your knowing into action. You see, knowing about forgiveness is very admirable. It's helpful for conversation. <laughs> but it's only in the act of actually forgiving that we experience the kingdom realities of freedom and joy. Knowing that God can heal is quite comforting. But it's only in the act of laying hands on the, on the hurting <laughs> that we get to experience his present tense power that we get to experience lives transformed and the Spirit working in and through us. Knowing that prayer is important is a good thing to know, but it's only in the act of actually praying that we experience the peace that passes understanding. Knowing that God instructs us to continue being filled with the Holy Spirit is a very good conversation starter in a small group, but it's only in the act of making room for Him in our daily life and asking Him to fill us that we experience his presence and his power. The kingdom of heaven is in reach. It's just one act of obedience away. All we have to do is follow what he says. But here's the thing, obedience is impossible outside of trust. Gideon was given an instruction by God and he could not obey it initially. He couldn't be the leader of the army. And it's not because he was evil it's not because he was in rebellion to God's voice. See, it's not just the evil people who disobey God. He couldn't obey because he was terrified. Fear hinders our ability to obey God. Obedience requires courage. Obedience is the courageous decision we make every single day to trust God with our lives, even when he instructs us to do hard things. We must trust his intentions and his timing. We must trust him with our finances and in our relationships. We must trust him to wait when he says wait, to let go when he says let go. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Scripture says, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will, He will make your path straight. Obedience requires trust, and trust must be stewarded. And I think that's the defining difference between the disciples and the rich young men. The disciples were able to trust Jesus and obey His voice because they knew Him. They had stewarded a deep friendship with Him, so they knew He had their best intentions at heart. They had seen the way disease fell in a word from his mouth. They had heard his affirmation and his love. They had tasted that feast that day and knew what he could do with seemingly insignificant things. And whenever fear crept into their heart, his heart, they could say, we remember what happened on that boat when even the wind and waves obeyed his voice. They could trust him because they knew him and they knew that he was good. And I think that's why Jesus asked such a defining question at the beginning of this passage. He says to the rich young man, why do you say I am good? Why do you say I'm good? Because Jesus knew that until we can answer that question, obedience may feel impossible. We have to trust in his goodness so that we can trust him with our lives. And so as we close this morning, I wonder if we could hear that question from God. Why do you say, I am good? Do you know how good he is? He is the God who put breath in our lungs and a dream in our hearts. He is the God who came up with the concept of love and joy and music and flavor and colors. <laughs> He is the God who pursues us when we are lost and searches for us until we are found. He is the God who hears us when we cry out to him. And when we speak and ask, he answers. He is the God who is active, he is present, he is working, and he loves us with an everlasting kind of love. He is powerful and he holds the whole world and he is the same God who when we chose the wrong path and when we had fallen into sin, this same God came to earth himself to carry our cross, to wear our crown of shame, to take our punishment and to die our death. That is how good he is. And whenever challenges begin to make you question his goodness. May you remember that cross because the God we are trying to obey was obedient to the point of death for our sake. Won't you pray with me as the team comes forward? Father God, we are so grateful for the gift of obedience. Because it means that we serve a God who cares for us deeply, who loves us enough to give us guidelines for life. And we know, Lord Jesus, that so often we have perhaps chosen the wrong path, and because of that, perhaps we feel far from you or ashamed. But we know, Jesus, that not only are you a God who loves it when we obey, you're a God who loves it when we run back to you, and you are gracious and you are kind. And I just pray for every person who has felt as if 
perhaps they have take, chosen the wrong path, perhaps they've made mistakes. I pray that they will choose as we worship now to feel safe enough to come back to you, knowing that you're a loving father who wants nothing more than to lift us up out of the miry clay and put us back on our feet again. And we pray, Jesus, that today will be a new beginning for us, that as we seek to be a people who hear your voice and follow you, that you'll give us a fresh start, that you'll put us on our feet again, that you'll speak clearly to us, and that you will give us the courage we need to know that you are trustworthy, that you are safe, that you are so good, and so it is okay to obey you, because being in your hand is the best and safest place we could ever be. We pray all of this in your wonderful name. Amen.